0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. We have so many good things going on in our church. I'm really excited about some of the things we even just told you about, but, uh, you know, I really have been hearing from a lot of people, not just one or two, but a lot of people about how God is moving in their life. Like there's like really significant things going on and God is certain, certain, certainly moving in our church, but he's moving in people's lives and some people are feeling pretty fired up about their faith these days. And I don't know if, how many, I mean, anybody in here feel a little f- extra fire, fired up today? Um, and here's the deal, maybe you're not there. Maybe you're like, I have literally no fire. <laughs> I am not fired up, but I'm here. And I just wanna say, I'm so glad you're here. Even if you're not fired up, because whenever you get around people who are fired up, guess what? Fire spreads. And, and that's our prayer, is that, like, that you would experience, of course, the move of God in your life. So when we pray, come Holy Spirit, when we pray, God, will you do something today way more than we could ever imagine, we are praying in faith that God wants to move in our lives. And so, that's, you know, that's our hope today, and, and I don't know, I hope you're ready, because I'm fired up for this message today. Yeah. I've had three cups of coffee, I'm ready to go. I hope you're ready to go. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter six and we're gonna get into the Bible today. How many of you know that God's word is active and alive? You know what I'm talking about. The Bible is not only 100% truth, but it is also 100% grace. And I know that that's what all of us need. We need 100% grace and truth coming into our life. And so we're gonna read God's word And I'm praying that you get some grace and truth today. But Matthew 6, starting in verse uh, 25, 25. Therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. How many of you worried about what you were going to wear this morning? Hmm? Right? There's a little bit of a ring on this mic up here. I'm just letting you guys know in case you can't hear it. Verse, 20, uh, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So Jesus says, Don't you know that you are so much more valuable than even the birds of the air? There are some things that God spoke into existence, and there are some things that God breathed into existence. You are who He breathed into existence. Look at this next line, verse 27. Can any one of you, uh, by worrying at a single hour to your life, everyone say worry? worry. And why do you, and, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow; they do not labor or spin, meaning they're not spinning their wheels like a lot of us do. Yet. I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry. Look at your neighbor right now and say, Do not worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, how many of you need to hear that scripture way more than you'd like to admit? that you need to not worry, right? Now, these are the words of Jesus in an ancient world. And in this ancient world, they didn't have things like cell phones. They didn't have things like stock markets. They didn't have things like nuclear weapons to freak us out. They didn't have teenagers that could get in cars and drive around. They didn't have these things that we worry about today. You know what I'm saying? But he's still saying to an ancient world, listen, you worry way too much. How many of you know that God's been saying the same thing for a long time? He's been looking at people and saying, I don't want you to worry. You're worrying about something you don't need to be worried about. And he is calling us, this is actually a loving command. He's saying, don't worry because my, I'm not only gonna take care of you, but my motives are for good. And sometimes we wonder, is God just trying to control me? Is God trying to take my freedoms away? No, God is trying to give us a way of life that is for our good. So today we begin a new teaching series and it's called Better Than a Bird better than a bird. Look at your neighbor and tell them with all sincerity and love, you are better than a bird. (laughs) So that phrase is intended to be a reminder that God will take care of you. So you can be assured if he's going to take care of the birds of the air, he's going to certainly take care of you because God values you more than the sparrow. God values you more than a hawk. God values you more than the eagles, as cool as they are. He looks at you and he's like, you know what? You're better, you're better than a bird. So I'm excited for these next five weeks as we dive into the world of worry because the subtitle of this series is a non-anxious presence in a world of worry. I wonder how many of us want that? How many of us want a non-anxious presence in a world of worry? I'm telling you, even if you are a person that's sitting here right now thinking, oh, you know what, I'm not really a worrier. I'm always hashtag chill. I'm not that person, right? I am good. If you don't live with a sense of elevated anxiety in your life and you're like, listen, I know there's the worry warts out there, that's not me. I'm good. I'm telling you, every one of us need this conversation. I know that every one of us can be helped by what God's gonna do over these next five five weeks because There is a systemic anxiety creeping through the world right now that is grabbing a hold of people, grabbing a hold of churches, grabbing a hold of of businesses and homes, and even cities and nations. It's a type of anxiety that threatens our confidence. And when I say confidence, I'm not talking about pride, of course. I'm talking about confidence. And our confidence is always threatened when we worry. It's a systemic anxiety that is around every quarter when we feel things like fear for our kids' safety or we worry about the future with our money or the security of all of our things. It's an anxiety that has been exponentially increased on the heels of a pandemic that showed all of us how fragile our world is. And so we're like, what is gonna happen in the future? So before I go any further, I wanna give a little bit of uh, the story behind the inspiration for this series. A few months ago, a friend of mine, Kyle Hicks, who goes to this church sent me a text. In fact, he doesn't know I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna put this text on the screen. This is the text he sent me. And it's this little image right there, you probably can't see it back there, but it's that orange image and it says, I'm better than a bird. And uh, he sent that to me, and he was sending it to me for fun, and he's like, "When are we gonna drop a clothing line together?" Because I had said this, I had said this in a message back in February during a, a message called "Non-Anxious Presence," and then I was literally, while he sent this to me, I was working on kind of our fall teaching series that we're going to be doing and I was thinking man we need to take that idea that we did in February and we need to go into it a little deeper how I many you know we got to go deeper sometime right we got to go deeper and I said so we need to spend a little time on that and then I get this text and it was like the holy spirit just saying yeah you're supposed to talk about worry and then he was like and then I was like okay cool let's just go ahead and just ask Kyle if he would just go ahead and do the artwork for the series cuz he's this really talented creative and he's a really good artist and then so it was just like hey Kyle would you do this and he said sure I'll do it and so we love what he did so where's Kyle at I see him already. Kyle, thanks, man. <laughs> Kyle Hicks is a man. So thank you so much. So we're going to talk about worry for a few weeks, but we're really, going to be talking about, we're really going to be talking about how God wants to work in our life. So let's talk about worry, though, for just a minute. I mentioned we worry when our confidence is threatened. I want you to think about this. Like, now, if I, if I take my kid to school and I drop them off, Should I be worried to let them go into the building? If I have confidence in the education system, if I have confidence in the school building and its attention to detail and attention to safety measures, if I have confidence in society around me, if I have confidence in the human good of others that nothing's going to happen to my child when I let them go. You think about that. We literally, those of us that send kids to school, we just put them in a place and walk away. Like, what the heck? Like, that should freak me out but for some reason I have enough confidence in the system that they're gonna be safe. But the more things occur in the world and the more things that happen in the world that threaten that confidence, the more of us are unsure if we should drop our kids off. You see, when our confidence is threatened, we begin to worry. We actually worry about a lot of reasons and a decaying confidence is just one of them. We worry if we've been hurt before because we don't want to get hurt again. We worry. If we grew up poor and we don't want to get poor again, we worry if we experience being rejected we don't want to get rejected again. We worry for a lot of reasons and about a lot of things, but the word worry, it's really a simple understanding. What does it mean? Worry means to be separated, to be drawn apart, to be pulled away from something. It's the same definition as the word anxiety, that when we are pulled away from what? When we were pulled away from peace, when we are pulled away essentially from God and Christian theology. When we're pulled away from God, guess what? We're gonna worry and we're gonna be anxious. Why is that? Well, we're gonna dive into this a little bit. I wanna explain a little bit about Matthew six, the big passage we already read this morning. And and I just wanna clarify what Jesus did not mean. When Jesus says, don't worry, and I think we know this, but he does not mean don't care. He's like, don't, it doesn't mean don't care about the things going on in the world around you. Don't worry about it and be like, oh, you know, I mean, none of that's going to matter. You know, it's all good. God's got this. And so we just kind of have this aloof, like, it doesn't matter. That's not what he's saying. Yeah. He doesn't mean don't mourn or feel emotion for someone or everything's going to be all right. You know, when someone loses someone, oh, don't, it's like, don't worry about it. God's got them. Like, no, no, no. There's, there's concern, there's care. He doesn't mean live carefree and think, you know what? My God's going to take care of me. He's got those bills for me. I'm going to go ahead and take that trip to Fiji. It's all right. (laughs) He doesn't mean that. God's like, don't worry about going to work tomorrow. That's not what he's saying either. He's not saying, listen, don't worry about apologizing to that person you wronged. No, go apologize. What he is saying, listen, you are worried about things that I'm already taking care of. This is what God's saying. He's like, I want you to start paying attention to the world around you because God is like, listen, I got this. I got this. When my, uh, my oldest, Emily, was wanting to get her first job, I looked at her and said, why do you want to get a job? You got your whole life to work. Which is totally opposite of what most parents say. Like, you need to get a job, you're only you're seven, it's time to go to work. <laughs> but I was like, listen, you're going to work your whole life. You sure you wanna go to work at 15 years old? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I need money. And I was like, what do you need money for? She's like, I just wanna have money for the things that I wanna buy. And I said, don't you understand? Like, I'm gonna give you all the money you need and then some. Well, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or what you're gonna wear. You See what I did there? That was was the Bible. Um, I was like, listen, I got you. And she goes, I know, I know. Thank you, dad. And then she went and got a job. Listen, this is, what we do to the, this is what we do to God, right? Our Heavenly Father's like, why are you worried about that? I got you. I know you got me, God, thank you, God, but I'm gonna worry about it anyway. I'm gonna worry anyway. I found several lists of the top worries that people struggle with, and I combined them into kind of my own list of the most common ones, so see if you resonate with any of these. I'm just gonna go through this list, starting with number one. Number one, getting old. Anybody worried about wrinkles? Okay. Me neither, because I know the new that 44 is the new 24. Mm. Uh. <clears throat> number two, number two, uh, savings and financial future. Anyone? Number three, health concerns seems very connected to number one. Number four, financial debt. Mm. Somebody's got some credit cards in here. I know that. Number five, job security. We worry if we're going to keep our job. Number six, appearances. We worry about our weight, our looks, our, the way we dress, whatever the people think of us. Number seven, whether my spouse still loves me. This is a real one. Mm. Number eight, will I find a spouse? <laughs> number nine. I'm not going to talk about that one. That's that's another. Number nine. <clears throat> number nine. Relational conflict with someone. That's the kind of thing that makes you toss and turn at night. You know, when you got conflict going on. Number 10, paying rent or mortgage. Like, it comes every month. Well, yeah, We're surprised. Number 11, parenting. How many of you guys are worried about parenting? We're like, how many hours is too much on TikTok? We worry about that stuff. Number 12, work-related stress. Goals that we have for work. We stress about it. Number 13, politics, government. Yes, a lot of us are worried about that. Number 14, large-scale wars and conflict. Number 15, inequality. Yes, we worry about this. Number 16, climate change. Listen, 50% of millennials said this is their number one concern going on in the world today. Then they go jump on a plane to travel the world. (laughs) Just saying, listen, we can worry about it, but then we don't do anything about it. Why does it matter? Just saying. Number 17, crime. Do I live in a safe place? That's it, I only got 17. I I know you thought I was going to 20, but I'm stopping. (laughs) 17 felt sufficient. Um, So let's do something. Let's pause and consider something. Let's pause and consider a question. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? And here's how I want you to consider it. I'm actually gonna stop talking, which I know that's hard to believe. I'm gonna stop talking for, for like a minute and a half, two minutes, something like that. And you're gonna get your phone back out or you're going to write on your notepad if you got a journal or whatever, and you're going to write down one, two, or three things that you are worried about right now in your life. All right? I want you to do it. Everybody participate. You're here at church. Might as well go all in. What are you worried about? Answer that question as we begin this series. What are you worried about? Write something down. I know you're worried about something. Some of you are like, I don't worry Oh yeah, I said I would quit talking, I'm sorry. I should give every message like this. I just stand here. (laughs) Let you think on a question. Let's give a question, and then I'll say, all right. Good luck. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. You can keep writing if you want to, but I want you to hold those words for now. Hopefully in a little bit we'll let them go. But um, I want to take the next 15 minutes, and I want to talk about the idea of strongholds. In fact, this is the title of today's message, Stronghold. Everyone say Stronghold. Stronghold. We sometimes use the word stronghold to describe something going on in our life or someone else's life, like maybe it's an addiction or maybe it's depression or maybe it's a fear, and we might say that has a stronghold over us. And so if we're, you know, we may pray or we may wish or we may hope, or we may work to get freed of that stronghold. Well, I want to talk about a different type of stronghold today. The more historical usage of the word stronghold is actually had more to do with something like a fortress or imagine like in medieval times like a castle built up on a hill with a moat around it. That was like a stronghold that was keeping uh keeping the enemy away, right? Historically throughout generations when we feel worried or we feel anxious about things in life, people build a stronghold This goes back as far as you can imagine, and it's a natural concept that makes a lot of sense when you think about it, and so I want to illustrate it for you today. I have a few slides. I want to take you back to the year 2500 B.C. There's nothing magical about 2500 B.C. It was just a long time ago, okay? (laughs) Imagine a person living in 2500 B.C., and these slides will help illustrate this, but person A has a lot to worry about. A lot of things coming out them. There's things like daily needs, like food, water, shelter. They might be worried about defending themselves from the enemies attacking, so they have to figure out, how am I going to defend myself? Or they might even consider about uh, things like disasters. What if a natural disaster happens? Or what if sickness comes along? Or what if out when I'm out hunting for, I don't know, mammoth or saber-toothed tiger, what if I get injured? It's 2,500 B.C., people. So who knows? I'm like, I don't even know if they were around. I think they were already, yeah, never mind. There's a lot coming at you though, right? A lot to worry about. And the weight of all this anxiety is coming on. It didn't take long for people to understand that this was too much pressure, too much anxiety. I can't live under the weight of this alone. So they began to form tribes. And these tribes were strongholds. And these strongholds would be present among most people in most societies. They would be this idea of, of course, strength in numbers, right? It, they would build fortified cities that would, of course, provide safety from attacks. They would work together to create agricultural systems so food wouldn't be as big of a worry that they could provide for everybody in town. Uh, they eventually worked together to build a military and build economy. But here's what happened. The stronghold did a lot of things to help person A, didn't it? Yeah. Did a lot of things to help them. That anxiety wasn't coming at them. So when anxiety comes in and it hits the stronghold, it does something really unique. Because the, the, the stronghold actually absorbs the anxiety. And instead of it coming in full force, it like breaks up and it like goes into particles. And so no one's getting the full force of anxiety anymore because the stronghold is absorbing the anxiety. So you might be like stressed about the same things or you might worry about the same things, but you don't have to carry it all by yourself anymore. So you might get sick, but you have a doctor in town, right? So the next thing, next slide. Next, the thing about this though, is other tribes will begin to form and you'd have all these other tribes and they would be your competition, wouldn't they? And these tribes are trying to have a stronger tribe than the other. And so sometimes they would absorb other tribes. They take over the other tribes, they combine tribes in order to become the strongest of all the tribes. And so this has gone on and on and on and on for for centuries. And I just explained 4,300 years in the last five minutes, Right? right? And so strongholds have become this place for us to alleviate ourselves of worry and anxiety because something else is absorbing it for us. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important for a lot of reasons. There's a guy named Edwin Friedman who was a family therapist and who's credited for kind of creating this and developing what is known as family systems theory. And he discovered one of the functions of all strongholds and specifically institutions is they are intended to absorb our anxiety. Let me read an excerpt from a different book by a guy named Mark Sayers who is commenting on Friedman's work. And this book was very helpful in this message. But he says this, Friedman discovered that one of the social functions that institutions play is to absorb anxiety. Humans create institutions to pass on wisdom, to collectively conquer challenges, to to, to centralize critical knowledge. It is an accepted fact among political scientists that a well-functioning and healthy institutions are the bedrock of a peaceful and prosperous society. So what are institutions? What are institutions? In today's world, there are things like institution of government, the institution of family, the institution of, of an education system or church or economy or military, right? Agriculture is still an institution. It's, a, it's something that we depend on, right? And these institutions absorb our anxiety. So I want you to consider what's going on in the world today. If you're like, just stay with me, all right? I want you to consider what's going on in the world today. At no point in our lives that I'm aware of have I ever heard so much conversation and so much attention given to mental health, anxiety, stress, and thank goodness, because for a long time that was a no-fly zone in the public sector. It's so good that we're talking about it. However, the truth is that only some of us deal with medically diagnosed mental health disorders. However, All of us are dealing with what I'm calling systemic anxiety that is putting pressure on all of us. Systemic anxiety happens when our confidence in institutions that once absorbed our anxiety is threatened. Hmm. Are you all with me? This is a pulse check right now. Are you all with me? I know you guys are off work tomorrow, but we're doing work today, okay? So systemic anxiety, meaning culturally pervasive anxiety, is affecting all of us, even if we aren't a typical worrier. Systemic anxiety is on the rise for a lot of reasons. So Jesus' words in Matthew 6 are as real as ever. So why is systemic anxiety on the rise? I wanna show you a few slides, a few thoughts. Systemic anxiety is on the rise when, number one, society elevates individualism over community. I say it all the time, America is one of the most, is the most individualistic culture in the world. And when we put the needs of self over community, when we make self the stronghold, Guess what? All we're doing is going back to 2,500 BC and the full weight of all of those anxieties are coming straight at us. Nothing is absorbing it. Number two, one, why is systemic anxiety on the rise? Number two, the deterioration of traditional strongholds, things like government, family, religion, and money. If any of you think that those things are not deteriorating, let me just comment on this. I'm not going to go on any soap boxes today and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's fairly cut and dry that people are losing confidence in political systems. Our government feels fragile, not just the American government, but many governments and many people are worrying now because they wonder what the future of government, which used to absorb a lot of anxiety, is now becoming a source of anxiety. It's well documented that family systems are supposed to absorb anxiety. And it used to be when, I mean, even in my childhood, it was like family systems were a lot bigger family tree. It was grandparents, it was great grandkids, it was great aunts and uncles, it was cousins twice removed, it was cousin Eddie, it was the whole shebang, right? That was family. And now family's becoming smaller and smaller. Most people are getting closer and closer just their immediate family, maybe just one or two family members that they're really close to, and they're kind of disconnected from the rest of their family. And so the family system is actually shrinking and it's becoming less and less of an anxiety absorber where we are now more out there in the frontier fending for ourselves. Even the church, so religion, what will specifically talk about Christian church, even the church has gone through its own struggles where people are losing confidence in the church. And so the church, people like us, we're sitting here going, how do we find a renewal of spirit how do we kind of reorient and a rebirth of a church that is truly committed to the ways of jesus versus an institution that is rooted in power money and success people are losing confidence in these institutions right let's talk about money money has traditionally been a stronghold that people depend and rely on to absorb anxiety you have a healthy bank account you feel good about life you have no worries however When inflation happens (laughs) and groceries go up 25%, and you're sitting here looking at your bank account and it's not what it used to be, and you wonder what's going to happen to the market, guess what? The institution of money begins, we can begin to lose confidence in it, and it's no longer absorbing our anxiety. Number three, the reason that these uh, systemic anxiety is on the rise a redirected dependence on false stronghoods. Let me explain. What I mean by this is in the last 10 years, we've seen people abandon strongholds like the ones I just mentioned, government, family, religion, and money. And they've abandoned those and they've looked to find uh, identity and meaning in places online. And they've looked to find their tribe in a digital way. We call it digital tribalism. We've looked for people who try to think the same way And we've tried to align ourselves with movements or people who speak about certain issues. And we feel like the stronghold of right thinking and socially affirmed alignment will be the stronghold that prevents us from feeling worried about the future. Because it's the last thing, because the last thing we want to be is on the wrong side of an issue where we're going to get canceled because that creates a whole nother level of anxiety. So we've redirected our dependence to the digital world, But I'm telling you, it's a false stronghold. It's hollow. It may have some social leverage. It may give some social change here and there. But at the end of the day, the purpose of that tribe is not to take care of you or to protect you. In fact, it's only singularly focused on its cause. And if you ever waver or question it, you get canceled. And I'm telling you, digital tribalism is hollow and it's a false, false stronghold. And people have been doing it. This is where they're trying to find their strength in. So am I saying that institutions are bad? I'm actually not saying they're bad. They're actually good. Like The the system of the world, the way that God set it up is that we would depend on one another. There is a lot of good in things like institutions. However, they are not enough and they will all deteriorate and they will all fail. They are not perfect. However, we still need them. So am I saying institutions are bad? No, am I saying that systemic anxiety is inevitable no i'm not saying what i'm saying is actually more of a question the question is what are your strongholds and more specifically what is your stronghold think about those things that you wrote down that you worry about whatever it is let me just ask you what's the institution or the stronghold that you've been trying to use to fix it Has it been money? Has money been the answer in your mind? If I could just, if I could figure out the money thing, we got this. Has it been the digital tribalism? Has it been what has it been? Has it been hoping your family will fix it and all go away? I want us to go back to Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-six. Look how the birds of the air—they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. I want to translate that they don't even have what you have. (laughs) They don't have strongholds of agriculture. They don't have banks to store money in. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. In other words, God is the only stronghold for the birds of the air. God is all they need and the only thing the birds depend on. We are not the birds though. We're better than birds. And good thing thing is God's given us more than just ourselves. At the end of the passage, Jesus says something that's very important though in verse 31. He says, do not So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run. Everyone say run. Run. They run after such things. And your father knows that you need them. He's like, when are you going to quit trying to live like you don't have me on your side? Pagan is another word for people who believed in many gods, polytheism, right? This is the system of beliefs that the, the Romans and the Greeks of the day had, where many people had many different gods, and the way that they really found meaning and they find themselves not worrying is they would chase after things like, not only more food and more clothing, but more riches. In other words, greed was their motivator. If I could have more, then I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna be okay. Greed runs their life. Now you see, greed and worry are actually closely related. Greed can never get enough, so you run. Worry Worry is afraid it will never have enough, so it spins, it labors, and it keeps spinning, and neither of them have their eyes on Jesus. Jesus is saying, you can trust in God, you can trust in me, and he puts this final stamp in this passage when he says in verse 33, but instead of worry, but instead of all that worry, but seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. I never get to this point and I'm always like, is that really the lesson, God? Like, I'm just supposed to seek you first like, and then everything's going to go away magically. All my worries will disappear. Disney magic, right? I want to talk about this a little more because when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, I think that should make us think about a few things. For example, what is the first thing you do in the morning? I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking about how often I get up and something inside of me starts to kind of push me to hurry. Oh, I gotta hurry, get ready. I gotta hurry and get out the door. I gotta hurry and get to work. Sometimes I work up, wake up and I start thinking about what happened yesterday and I'm like worried about it. Or I start thinking about all the things I got going on today and I start to worry about my busy day. And so when I'm waking up, a lot of times, my, my mind and my, my life starts orienting to hurry and worry. Now, it doesn't happen all the time for me, but sometimes it does, and I know for a lot of you though, it's like, that's the norm. Like, you hurry and worry your way out the door every day. And if you're thinking about, like, what is first, if our first thing is to grab our phone and to, to make sure we check all our email because we miss anything last night, well, golly, we got to catch up really fast or we got to see what everybody said on social media or we got to see, see what's going on in the world news and that's the first thing we do. All of a sudden, it puts us into a cycle of worry. It puts us into a cycle of hurry. So this seek God first it starts as in simple as, what's the first thing you do every day? It, it bleeds into everything. It bleeds into our money. I mean, I've talked about this many times before, but do you think about the principle of tithing and the principle of the first fruits. Like the whole idea is predicated by the fact that we got to make God first. Everybody say, make God first. Make God. See, when we make God first, when we prioritize God in our money and I tithe before I spend, guess what? When my priorities are right, Therefore, God can, when I order things right and I put him first, well then, guess what? He starts to take care of me, bless me, give me peace over my money. Even if I don't have everything I want, he's like giving me a measure of peace because I'm drawing close to God. And when I draw close to God, guess what leaves? Worry. And guess what enters? Peace. Hmm. He replaced confusion with confidence. Throughout the scriptures, God is called our stronghold. And I just want to read some scriptures over you because in the Psalms there's so many instances where God is called the stronghold. Listen to this, Psalm 9:9. 9, 9. The Lord is a res- refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Psalm 18:2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. He is my, say it, stronghold. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I feel? The Lord is my, or is the stronghold. of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 144.2, he is my loving God and my fortress, my and my deliverer, my shield, in whom I take refuge. Time and time again, God is actually called the stronghold. Jesus gives us a similar picture in the, of the strongholds by building our life on what he calls the rock, right? Remember Matthew 7, verse 24? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. The rock, the stronghold, God's truth and his and His ability to be trustworthy, right? Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Meaning he didn't seek God first. He didn't build his life on the stronghold of God. He built it on something else. He made something else his stronghold. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, if my most important stronghold in my life is anything other than God himself, then I'm building my house on a foundation that will fail. And I'm honestly tired of my life and other Christians life saying we're building our house on the rock, but then we check, we check our bank account more than we check our Bible. I'm tired of Christians saying God is number one, but we cheer for our favorite sports team a hundred times more than we do cheer for the Lord in our life. I'm tired, right, of a life that says God is most important, yet we get up in the morning and the first thing we do is just try to make, make it through a day by worrying and hurrying our way through it. See, I'm talking about not just do we know these things, but do we live them? Do we live making God first? Do we live building our house on the rock? Or do we put our faith in foundations, if you will, institutions and strongholds that are deteriorating and that will fail? There's only one that won't fail. There's only one that we can have eternal confidence in. There's only one stronghold worthy of being first in your life. Listen to this in Psalm 52:7. He says, here now is the man, who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth. And he grew strong by destroying others. He was just trying to absorb other tribes. Everybody became competition to him. He's like, if I can be stronger than everybody else, then I can decrease my anxiety. I can decrease my worry if I can be the king of the hill. And how many of us have seen that story play out. People that are trying to make themselves and their wealth or their, or their life the stronghold that they build themselves up on. And I know I have room to grow here because I have been and I can be that man who does not make God my stronghold. We have to renew our minds. We have to seek revival in our spirit. We must make God the unquestioned stronghold of our life fortress, the shield, the refuge because the stronghold of self I think you know this, but it won't work you are not capable of conquering the world hate to break the news to us the stronghold of institutions they won't work either as good as they are and as good as the good, the good things that they do at the end of the day, they're not enough they will deteriorate they will fail us and false strongholds, they won't work either. Sorry to break it to you, but digital tribalism and echo chambers will ultimately fill you in the greater truths and needs of your life. And I'll say this, and then I'm gonna pray and we'll be done, but sometimes we get a false sense of security in one of those institutions. We get a healthy bank account or our family gets right and we're like, man, this is great. And we start thinking life is gonna be great again, but guess what? we're not making God our first, that thing will eventually become a source of worry and anxiety for you once again. You need something deeper than right thinking or a good season. We all need a way of life that changes the world. And there's only one stronghold that can do that. There's only one stronghold that can truly make you confidence. And I'm telling you, we only worry when our confidence is threatened. How many know that we never will lose confidence in our Heavenly Father? Therefore, we will not worry. It's possible, it's possible, whenever God is truly the unquestioned stronghold of our life, that worry and anxiety diminish in our life. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna respond and pray. You already wrote down, and that was, that was plenty. You already wrote down some stuff that you worry about so I told you to hold on to that for a minute but, but now there's a time that you can sort of give that to the Father you can hand him over to God once again maybe you've already done it once you can do it again now you can do it again in a way that says Lord you know maybe I understand a little bit more now of how I need to make you the stronghold of my life and I'm going to give you my worries you know Psalm 4 6 it says do not be anxious about anything but by prayer supplication in every situation With thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'm going to say this so many times. Basically, he's saying, you don't have to be anxious, but through prayer with thanksgiving, give it all to God. And I'm sure I'm going to say that many, many times, but seek first the kingdom, right? Seek first his presence. God must be our stronghold. So no matter where you are, on fire for God, are not feeling any fire at all, the same truth remains. God can be your only stronghold. He's the only thing that will stand up against anything and that you can never, or you will never lose confidence in. So here's what we're gonna do, I'm gonna pray. Would you bow your heads? In a few minutes, we're gonna sing a song, and while we're singing, the prayer team will be up here, they'll also be in the back corner. I'm actually gonna come down and pray, and if you want to be prayed over today, maybe you have these worries, And it's just like, today's the day. I'm going to get prayer today. Come and pray. Come find one of us. Even if there's a whole bunch of people up here, you can make a line. We'll pray for every person that comes forward today. We believe God wants to move in your life. We believe God wants to start to to show you that he can help you with those worries. And so today, maybe it is truly saying, God, I need to let this go. I need to come. You don't have to pray with a prayer team member. You can come forward and pray at the altar. Pray on your own. Or we can pray over you but I know that there's power in prayer. So Father, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you do something that only you can do today? And we give you these next five minutes or so, Lord, just to respond to you, be present with you, and let you move in our hearts. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing and as we respond? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.